Hello, and welcome to the third episode of the JockCast. This is your host, Brian Javaharian. Today, I have with me a very special guest, Mr. Alex Cohen. Alex is freshly engaged. He is a UCSB Gaucho alumni, and he loves soccer, Padres, basketball, and Game of Thrones. We talk all these things and more. Thanks, and welcome to the JockCast. Alex Cohen, welcome to the JawCast. Our first guest, not named Kevin Liu. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing very well, my friend. It is an honor to be here. You know, I have to say uh, it was about eight or nine years ago when we were probably sitting in my CRV on a summer vacation discussing <laughs> our future and talking about uh, potentially making a sport. I don't know if podcasting was really a thing there, but uh, here we are down the line probably equally mature as we were nine years ago and talking about sports and pop culture. So couldn't be happier to be here. We've made it a long way. We're, we're really doing big things and, and happy to have you on. Um, we just watched a, uh, a fantastic Bucks Raptors game tonight. This is Wednesday, the 16th um, or the 15th. And, uh, and, you know, really came down to the wire there. The Bucks pulled out in the end, but, what were some of your takeaways from that first game? Yeah, I mean, what what a great game. I think my, my first instinct is, you know, that's some real basketball right there. Um, we, we saw about midway through the third quarter, the Raptors were up about nine or ten points. And, um, you know, you'd like to think that's a comfortable lead. But I have to say, even about four minutes left in the third quarter there, I wasn't really feeling good about their lead. And um, I don't really think Nick Nurse managed the rotations very well today. The team running into the fourth quarter, uh, the Raptors, that is, looked worn out. And, you know, I'm the biggest Kawhi apologist there is, but he had a really, really poor fourth quarter. Lots of uncharacteristic giveaways, some really poor shots. Um, He had one or two defensive lapses, um, but that game really got away from them. And uh, that was even including Lowry's phenomenal performance. So um, game two is going to be huge for them. But but what a great start to the series. Yeah, this was the Lowry-Lopez game that nobody saw coming. I mean, 30 points from Lowry. I think Lopez had 29. Where did this come from? Those two guys. Lopez has had a, a solid year, but nothing like this. This is his playoff career high, and, and Lowry hasn't looked like Lowry all year really you know he's had a few good games but this was really out of nowhere he was shooting the ball confidently I really liked what I saw from both of them but did you I mean did did you see this coming for either of those guys ahead of this one no absolutely not and and I mean I totally agree with Lowry he's been you know about what you could expect from a 34 year old point guard this year he's had some great defense and, and he's had his moments but um overall a pretty underwhelming season and tonight he looked great I mean on offense there was kind of flashes of what you see in that Golden State offense of of Steph constantly moving and you saw a lot of give and goes with Lowry and uh, Siakam and Kawhi and even Lowry and Gasol had a couple of nice combinations so he was really lively tonight obviously the shots were falling though Um, and you know if those shots aren't falling we might be talking about a completely different Kyle Lowry. So, true. I mean, we'll, we'll see as, as the season, prog- as the series progresses, but 
a, a good start from him. It hopefully bodes well for, for the rest of the series. Um, I mean, as far as Lopez is concerned, I, I, I honestly don't even know what to say that he Brooke Lopez to me, you know, as a Laker fan, he's got to be the, the, the best worst player in the league. He, he doesn't look like he should be good at basketball, but there he is just firing threes in this offense. And, you know, it, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy, but he might've been the perfect signing in the off season for this, for this Bucks team. Um, you know, he spaces the floor as a big man. And when Jonas just does his pretty much the same drive to the basket, every single possession, uh, Lopez just kind of hangs out there on the perimeter, ready to fire some threes. And tonight they were falling and he, he didn't really know what to do in terms of celebrations, but uh, <laughs> it, it was fun to watch. As a Laker fan, do you wish they had re-signed him this offseason? You know, I during the summer, I was hoping they re-signed him, mostly because I thought he would have fit well with LeBron. Um, so I, I was a little disappointed with that. But I think mostly what where I was disappointed as a Laker fan was was kind of the lack of a plan. Um <laughs> You know, it's it seems like if you're not going to re-sign Brook Lopez, the plan should not have been to re-sign JaVale McGee and, and Michael Beasley. Um, yeah, but and KCP. It, I think and KCP. And you know, a lot of people were talking about KCP. It seems kind of like he was a he was a product of the of the agency yeah. where he fell and and his numbers. Um, yeah. That was a package deal. It had to have been. That was. totally a package deal and honestly i thought kcp would have been traded during the season but um you know brooke lopez used to be a great player now he's very serviceable um he certainly fills a role on on a great team like the bucks and um the lakers could have used him this year that's for sure yeah definitely um you mentioned gasol uh, a few times did you like i mean is he a guy that you see getting he's played 40 minutes tonight he went two for 11 two for seven from three is he is what he does in the rest of the game, his rebounding, his assists, his shot blocking. Is that worth enough that he should be playing 40 minutes a game while Serge Ibaka is getting 17? I mean, that's where, that's one of the big misses I think Nick nurse had tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's way too many minutes for Gasol. Um, He, everyone knows what Gasol brings. He's a great defender. He's a great passer. If you need him to score, he can give you those 15 points a game. But what they need from him is 25, 30 good minutes. And to be honest, when Ibaka was on the court today, he he looked pretty good. Um, I'm not sure what stats, what the plus minus will show, but I thought Ibaka was having a, a pretty good game tonight. Um, What's funny about you mentioning not- that, Marcus All plus one. Serge Ibaka minus seventeen. Minus seventeen. So yeah. I don't know how that happened, but but you know, plus minus for that kind of minutes doesn't really show you that much. But but yeah, I felt the same way watching the game. Yeah, and at least at least for me, I I, I thought uh, Serge Ibaka worked well in, in the lineups. But that being said, the Raptors only played eight guys tonight, and I think I think Ibaka's minutes. Um, you know, where those Nick Nurse fill-in minutes when he's trying to buy time for mm-hmm. Kawhi or Siakam or, or Lowry. Um, but th- there needs to be more bench minutes here. I mean, you're, you're in the, the playoffs. You're in the, the last four teams, and you're, you're playing eight guys. That's not going to work in a seven-game series. Um, mm-hmm. I know he's not good. Jody Meeks needs to get a couple minutes in there. Fred Van Vliet needs to get more than 13 minutes. Yeah. That's, 
that's not going to work for the rest of this series. Yeah, I think the shooting will improve. You see, uh, there, there's the Raptors' three-point shooting was pretty terrible, 15 of 42 tonight. Um, but the things that I don't like from from tonight's game from the Raptors, Siakam, six for 20, two for nine from three. He is really having trouble finishing near the rim. Not even just the shooting. He shouldn't be taking nine threes a game, but he is getting wide open shots. So he's taking them. Um, and I like that he showed more confidence tonight than I saw him from the, the six-year series. But he's really struggling near the rim. He's getting his shot blocked uh, routinely. And I don't really understand it. He's a big guy. He's fast. He's athletic. He gets to the rim. But um, I saw this in the Sixers series. I'm seeing it now. You know, he's he's getting a shot blocked at the rim. Um, Kawhi shooting 26 times is just not really his game. And he and he kind of did this in the Sixers series. I don't know if it's that he doesn't trust his teammates or what. But I, I'm not – I don't like this Raptors team as a Kawhi put us on your back and take us as far as you can go kind of team. I don't think that's who he is, and I don't think that's where this team should have been, and that's where they were all season. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. And, you know, th- this this Raptors team is interesting because they're obviously – they are well-coached, and they do have a lot of good pieces. And, and arguably, you know, Kawhi might be the best player in the league, but this team – is missing something and it's kind of it's kind of hard to put your finger on what that is um it you know when i when i watch them play it seems like what they're missing is a dominant um second score and kyle lowry is not that consistently um i don't know i don't know if if you noticed this as well but to me it seemed like the bucks were just really packing the lane today and trying to force the raptors to make those threes did you see that as well yeah definitely Definitely. And, and they're, so they are getting wide open shots. They just, they really weren't going in today. Danny green doesn't look confident out there. He's, he's doing a lot of uh, he'll get an open shot. And instead of taking it, he just kind of pump fakes it and, and passes the ball. Um, And he's really, he, I mean, Van Fleet, um, Gasol, those are guys that they need to hit threes on this team. They really don't, they're not the best three-point shooting team ever, but they, I thought they were pretty good over the course of the regular season. I don't have those stats in front of me, but you know, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. And you know, like I said earlier, I think Van Vliet needs to get more minutes. I'm a huge, huge Greg Marshall guy, like Kevin <laughs> Liu. You give me, you give me any of those Wichita State guys. Those guys are going to play some real basketball. They know how to play defense. They work the ball on offense. Um, I, I'm a huge Van Van Fleet fan, and um, you know, over the course of this series, I I don't see why. You know, you couldn't even play him in addition to Lowry on the court. I know you're going really small there, but Van Vliet regularly guards guys much much bigger than him and does a really good job of it. Um, and like, if if Danny Green is going to be as ineffective as he is, I don't see why you don't just go small i i thought they did that all season effectively and i'm surprised as you are that they didn't actually do that that seemed like a strange decision um so you think maybe more jody meeks um i don't know that there's anybody else off of the bench that they could really play any more minutes to to expand this eight man rotation you know i love jeremy lynn uh i don't know if he's a serviceable (laughs) guy anymore 
Um, but you know, I, I just, I, I have a, an absurd love, love for his game and just enjoy watching it. So, uh, I'm still in Linsanity mode, but, um, anyways, enough of, of this game, you know, Giannis is just, I, I still think Giannis is the most dominant guy in the game. I think he's done it. I've said this to Kev and I'll say it again. He's just more the most dominant guy in the league right now. in, in my opinion, um, do you see anybody else you think that uh, that's playing better basketball overall than he is? I mean, you know, if I was gonna if it was if I was gonna pick someone that would be playing better than him right now, it would have to be either KD or Kawhi. Um, KD right now is just absolutely ridiculous. He's literally unstoppable on offense. His defense against Harden was unreal i mean obviously they were they were switching off on harden a lot but he was playing great defense and then when you go to Kawhi, i mean what he did last series i think the stats showed his the points he scored over that seven game series was like the top five in all, of all time up there with mj in a, in a seven game series and then of course hits only the second game seven buzzer beater in all time i mean come on this guy is is unreal but it's hard to argue against Giannis and um, the, the craziest thing that I see about him is, you know, he gets the ball at the top of the key, you know, exactly what he's doing with it. He's going to do the same drive, his long strides. And the, the, the question is just, can you stop it? And most of the time the answer is no. Um, and when that's the case, you know, look out, this guy's still so young, so much room to grow and already such a damn good player. Yeah. And starting to hit his threes. Uh, I've noticed he's taking a more this playoffs and, and he's starting to hit a few, you know, he's still not really taking hardly any uh, jumpers, but he'll take the three just to keep the, the defense honest. But, but really, even if he's not hitting those at all, he can just go do that little spin move uh, or take it straight in and, and gets fouled almost every time or makes it or both. So, yeah, but it, it's hard to, to disagree with KD. Um, why don't we get into that? I, I want to, uh, I'm really interested in your take on this. Um, cause I've got a little bit of a hot take here. Can I, can I cut you off for one minute here? Aiko's cutting in. Let's hear it. Aiko is cutting in. Okay. So before, before we get into your hot take and, and switch gears, I got to get your take on this. Uh, Pat Connaughton, one of the most underrated white players in the league, true or false. <laughs> uh, the last month or two i would say true i i think well i guess it depends on how you rate him um all of a sudden you know i feel like i've seen interviews with him i've seen you know a lot of talk of oh this guy was he was drafted in major league baseball you know could have been uh could have been a major leaguer you know went to basketball and and uh so you know it feels like the the media is kind of on his nuts a little bit but uh, but he's been playing excellent basketball. So I'd say slightly underrated, but getting uh, an abundance of press time for for how good he is or for how, you know, you know he's still pretty mediocre in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, that, that's a fair assessment. I just, you know, I, I put him into my camp where I put uh, white slot receivers <laughs> that are criminally underrated. Like he's a, he's a Wes Welker, Jordy Nelson kind of player. That, uh, you know, he, he was great in college. He's been pretty good so far in his career and still kind of just 
you know, 12 minutes a game kind of guy. So, you know, I'd like to see a little more from him. But you know who I think he is? I think he's I think he's he's not Wes Welker. I think he's Danny Amendola. You know, doesn't phenomenal call isn't isn't going to catch 12 passes a game, you know, isn't going to lead your team in receiving, but could make that giant play at the end of a game or could get that kick return that that ends up winning the game. So, yeah, I, I think Danny Amendola makes sense. Yeah, that, that, that's a great call out. But yeah, I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that one because uh, obviously, obviously that, that hits close to home for me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, you have anything else on this series? Any other good takes? No, no. Let's let's swing right over. And sorry for cutting you off. Let's hear your hot take on the Warriors now. So so first off, I just want to say uh, I love watching the 2015 Warriors. I I, I think. They were so much fun to watch that 73 win season. Um, they they play with such joy. They really it, they really feel like they like each other. And uh, I just it it's nice. You know, it's kind of sucks having KD out for a couple games, but it's also evens the playing field a little more, makes it a little more exciting, and just feels like it's brought some joy back into uh, Steph and Clay's game. So. My hot take for you. I think Steph and Clay, and this I don't know how deep of a hot take this is, but I think Steph and Clay are better without KD, but the team as a whole is better with him. So I, I think I don't even know if this is a hot take. Both of them I think are better without him. They just play with more of a flow. They they play within the offense better. They're not looking around and waiting for the ball to come to them. They're running around screens. They're ready to go at all times. They they have a, a bit more charisma, it feels like, without him on the floor. Do you agree? Disagree? You know, I, I can't I can't disagree with that. And I think I think what what makes sense about your comment is the fact that when we don't see KD on the court, we really get to see that that fast motion offense that people kind of love and first associated with the Warriors when they started becoming who they were, you know, however many years ago. Um, these dribble handoffs, these, these flare screens, um, all these hard action moves on offense. And, you know, Curry does it better than anyone in the league. But when, when KD is on the floor with them, he demands a third of these possessions and, you know, they're highly efficient possessions. He's getting the ball in the low block. He's going to score that 60% of the time where he goes ISO one-on-one at the top of the key. He's going to score that, but it kind of takes away from Steph and running off these screens, clay, just pop it in the corner with his quick release. Um, and, and like you said, that's kind of the joy of where all this warriors basketball started. And then every once in a while you get Draymond kicking someone in the dick and, you know, <laughs> You call that a playoff series, and that's that's what we want to see from the Warriors. We want more dick kicking. That's for damn sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I kind of like more technicals from Draymond. To be honest, how many does he have in the playoffs? He's gone kind of soft. I think he has maybe two or three. And I've noticed, and Kevin and I talked about this a little bit on the last one about how he, I feel he's he's been he went the other way in that Rocket series and was was avoiding getting into it with the refs because the Rockets were, and I've seen him doing even in their last game, more sidebars with the refs where he's talking to them casually. It's so strange to see. It just doesn't feel like I'm watching the Draymond. I know. 
when I see him, you know, casually talking to refs. I don't know if, if he's, he's just, you know, getting a little softer with his age or things are going so well or what, but he's, it's, but they, but these guys really morph into this team so quickly. That's what's so strange to me is that the second KD leaves the floor for a quarter or two, they, it's like a, a button flicks and they, they just, all of a sudden Clay's running like crazy. He's handling the ball. Yeah, you know, I, I don't get it. I don't get why just because KD's on the floor, everything else changes. But I guess it's just a little more ISO ball. Uh, I think when you have a, a great player on your team, you kind of look at them to do things and it takes you out of your game in a way. You know, you saw this with Chris Bosh back when he was on the Heat. He just, you've got such good players around you. You just look to them to, to handle the burden a little more. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think to your, your first point, I think we all want to see a little more uh, fuckery from Draymond Green. We want to see some more bullshit from him. That's what the people signed up for. That's why we're watching the playoffs. We want to see Draymond punch someone. We want to see him kick someone in the face. We're getting used to that from Draymond. So, like, it's kind of been a little disappointing from him, even though, he, objectively speaking, he's playing good basketball. Um, absolutely. I, I also, I wanted to I wanted to ask you this. Iguodala played 31 minutes and had four points, but had the highest plus minus in this game at plus 16. Is that one of the best four point games that you have ever seen? <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing that he only had four. It felt like so much more. He what the the storyline that hasn't come out of this playoffs as much from the Warriors is their defense has been unbelievable between him, Clay and Draymond. They are locking down teams like nobody's and, and KD when he's been on the floor, they're locking teams down really good teams and really good players. Um, I felt like this matchup was a bad one for the Blazers because the Warriors in their history have done a really good job at locking down teams that have good guards and they're and good wings. Um, I felt like Denver would have had a better shot um, going down in the post a little more. Whereas when you've got Iggy and Clay on, on uh, McCollum and Lillard, that's a, that's a bad matchup. Those guys are just, I can't believe that Iggy's defense at this, at however old he is. I don't know. He's 35, 36. Yeah. No idea. It's, it's unbelievable. He looks like Kawhi out there almost. Yeah. He really does, and, and that just goes to show, you know, a player like him, kind of like Richard Jefferson before him, you know, there's there's huge value in guys like that on championship teams every single year. Um, and, and I was actually going to ask you, you know, because obviously game one, the Warriors won really big, but if you look at the stats here, the Blazers were 7 of 28 from three, and we know they're not going to shoot 25% for the rest of the series. So, I mean... In game one, did you think that was more so a product of Golden State's defense or just Portland missing shots? It was a mixture for sure. Uh, Clay, Clay's just been such a lockdown guard this playoffs. Um, I, I don't think that you're going to see the big games from Lillard or McCollum that you saw in the last couple games. So I don't think you're going to see a 40-point rebound from either of them. But at the same time, Lillard's not going to only scored 19 points 
Combs not going to score 17 and go one for five from three. So there will be a bounce back and particularly at home. Um, that's what you'll you, this Blazers team. It seems like plays better at home than away for the most part and has a lot of good role players. So that makes sense. Um, Seth Curry, not shooting well, you know, somehow <laughs> Rodney Hood has been like the, the, the third best player, fourth best player on this team in the last couple games. Yeah, someone signed into a, a long-term sign. deal. Rodney oh, Hood is God. back, baby. Oh, God. Can you imagine? Who would you – Who would you? Are, are there many players in the league that you would less want to have on the Lakers next season? What If they sign Rodney Hood to, like, a $15 million deal? <laughs> is he a free agent? I don't think so. But it, let's just say hypothetically – if you if you pick up Rodney Hood, I mean, how many players in the league would you rather not have than Rodney Hood? If he's playing, and now he's playing big minutes for you, you know, say he's playing, you know, twenty five minutes a game for the Lakers this season. Are you just are you a Clippers fan at that point? Are you <laughs> just complaining on blog posts all day? I can't <laughs> imagine. Can't imagine it's going the on, worst fate. Going on to uh, the Lakers Reddit forum to complain about it. Honestly. Like he's a he's a serviceable player that you just don't want your team to sign. Like you don't want that. You don't want him to be your seventh man. You don't. You definitely don't want him to be in your starting lineup. And like a lot of teams have passed on him, and we've been hearing for years. Like for years, we were hearing that he's you know, oh Rodney Hood has all this potential. He was good but not great at Duke. And then you know we've seen the last couple of years that. Rodney Hood is a very average NBA basketball player. Yeah, I wonder if this postseason will will do that thing that happens where where he has a couple of good games and all of a sudden somebody throws some money his way just because they, they that potential gets sparked again, and then he disappoints for the next three years, and then you know maybe has a good run. It's just one of those guys that it just will keep going up and down, even though he should just be down. You know, I've seen all I need to see from Rodney Hood. Even though he's played well the last couple <laughs> weeks, I've seen all I need. <laughs> yeah, I think the jury's out on Rodney Hood. Um, he'll definitely get like $55 million from the Suns or Miami or something like that. Yeah. Are you? Do you see this going any other way than the Warriors winning this in five or six? No, and, and I was going to ask you that. I mean, I, I definitely see Portland picking up one at home but I can't see them winning two in a row against this Golden State team. Um, they just don't have enough. You know, Aminu and Harkless in your starting lineup and Ennis Cantor, um, that's just not going to get it done. And, you know, Zach Collins should be playing more. He's Zach Collins is really good. Um, but th- this team just doesn't have enough, especially, you know, the matchup against the Warriors is about as bad of a matchup as, as the Blazers could ask for. So... You know, right now I'd probably say Warriors in five or six, definitely. Yeah. Would you rather see Raptors or Bucks versus Warriors? Assuming they get there. You know, I would personally rather see the Raptors. Um, I think I think the Raptors Warriors would be a fun matchup, but um I, I think the Bucks are just too much for the Raptors. I think the Bucks play great team defense. Um, they're coached really well, and they're and they're much deeper. It's it's crazy, you know. You look at the rap at the at the Bucks bench tonight, and these are the guys that didn't even get on the court tonight. They had Tony Snell and DJ Wilson not even getting minutes. You know, those guys would be 
seventh men on another team. Um, and they're not even touching the court in a playoff game. So that's a deep team. That's a team that plays defense. That's a team that has a couple of really good scorers. Um, so I'm thinking Bucks versus Warriors. And, and I imagine that would be a, an exciting finals. But if the Raptors can somehow pull it, I'm, I'm pulling for those guys. I, I love Kawhi. Yeah, man, I, I, I'm so conflicted when I watch those two teams play. It's so difficult. Every minute I, I kind of change my mind on it. I think Milwaukee has the better shot of beating the Warriors, and I think will be more fun to watch. But, but Toronto, that, that team, and then to see Kawhi's decision, you know, if it changes anything after the season, if they get to the finals or somehow win it, you know, that would be fun. It'd be fun to see. There's a lot of intrigue around that. Feels like Giannis has 10, 12 good years of potential finals runs coming. It's only a matter of time. And he's going to start, he's going to, unless something crazy happens, he's going to be it in every year. So whereas this feels like Toronto's only shot. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of feels like the last shot for them. I mean, 10 to 10 to 12 is a pretty bold call on the, uh, on the on the final consecutive run, there. not not consecutive, but, not consecutive, but just that he will have a shot to get there. I think absolutely, yeah, yeah. I know, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, he <laughs> he he looks next in line to take over on the throne in in, in the NBA. Yeah. Speaking of which, let's Speaking talk of some... which, that was a, that was a perfect segue. Huh? <laughs> yeah, we planned that out. We planned that one. <laughs> um, so speaking of Game of Thrones, let's talk. Let's talk Thrones. Yeah, um, let's do it. So, spoiler alert's coming if anybody somehow hasn't seen it yet. Um, yeah, earmuffs right now. Earmuffs, get the fuck out of here. Uh, what? Why did Cersei have to burn the whole city down? I didn't... That's the one plot hole in this, this whole storyline that I... I get why they did it as a storyline you know, for the intrigue of it, of, of her doing that after everybody warned it and kind of the Targaryen thing. But, but you, you mean Daenerys, right? You said Cersei. Cersei, yeah. I just, where am I at? Uh, Daenerys. <laughs> so, so she's sitting there on the dragon. You know, the bells are ringing. They're, they, they've got you primed for she either is going to burn the city down or walk away. But there's a third option of why doesn't she just fly at the Red Keep and just burn that down with Cersei sitting in it instead of going street to street and burning every single street. Yeah. That seems like a pretty big fucking plot hole, doesn't it? <laughs> I just, <laughs> I, it just like, it would make sense if like there were soldiers in every street that would have beat back their army or, or if there were more of those arrow things, other, the other weird plot point is that those, those dragon shooting arrow things, were unstoppably powerful in the last one and could shoot rapid fire. And in this one, she can just go and take them out one by one. And they were not even close to hitting her. You know? Yeah. I mean, also like she, she just had her, her child killed in combat. And then she goes right back into the line of fire with her dragon against those scorpion arrows. Like that was not a prudent move for the dragon queen for me, but you know, going, going to your first point, um, what's go, what's going on with the, uh, the writing here. I mean, we were led to believe for 
however many seasons this show has been going on, that we have a character whose sole purpose on the show was to liberate people from towns with dictators. And then all of a sudden, it's completely the opposite. And she doesn't really care who she kills or what she does to obtain her one objective, which was killing Cersei. So, you know, things are happening quickly, too quickly for my liking. I have to say, like, the show, this episode as a, as a whole, was I thought was fantastic. But, you know, little things like that kind of grind my gears. And I, I don't really understand what the writers were doing with that one. Yeah, that's where I'm at at this point. I will say for that point that she, she that was where they were going with this, was that she was supposed to liberate, you know, everybody and be this, the ruler that they wanted and stuff. And, and they zagged by saying she's now the the terrible you know who's worse her cersei at this point and i wouldn't be surprised if Arya goes to try and kill her in the final episode i think that's coming uh instead of cersei um but so i that didn't bother me as much as they they prime this season up as we get six final episodes in a way i think they've been fantastic i i really am on the edge of my seat during them and and find them very entertaining i just don't understand why for the final two seasons they had to jump to get to this end instead of letting this play out you know say over two seasons and giving us a little more time here filling in the plots in some way i guess they just wanted to keep it so interesting that they just decided look we're going to skip a few things and some things aren't going to make sense just to get to our conclusion that we've decided. Yeah, I mean, I've actually, so what I've read about this is that the writers had a preordained notion that the, the series itself was not going to go longer than 73 episodes or however many episodes they've had it. So even though HBO was willing to entertain them for as many seasons as they wanted to go, these guys were like, okay, well, we're only going two more seasons because that's what we said at the beginning. And if that's exactly how it went down, that's fucking stupid. That makes no sense at all. Like this show needed four more seasons to wrap up all the loose points. And it did. I feel like we're rushing through it now. And I don't know about you, but there's like a hundred things that I think I want resolved that they're probably not even going to talk about. And why it wasn't getting to that point. It wasn't like the office 17 at 17 seasons in where you're going, wow, these guys have really run out of things to talk about. I feel like this could have gone several more seasons. They could have had a, a lot of what made this show great, which was the just the talking, just the, the little maneuvering behind the scenes, rather than, you know, the action episodes are fun and, and I definitely enjoy them. But what made the show great was, was what happened uh, to kind of the, the backstabbing, the the finding ways to maneuver without other people knowing um that stuff was fun and so i i just yeah if that if that is the case with the writers that's pretty disappointing i didn't like that aria goes to bravos to do the face switching thing you know my prediction was that she would steal jamie lannister's face to kill cersei um right and part of that is that I'm a little disappointed that she only used it the one time to kill Walder Frey. And that's, she goes all the way to Bravos and learns that fucking trick. 
And the one time she uses it just to kill Walter Frey. I mean, that was a cool death scene. <laughs> but like, she can't use that a little more often, you know? Well, she's got one more episode. I get, yeah, I guess it could definitely come in this final episode. So we'll see. I don't know who she would, whose face she would steal to, to do that. But um, what about what about hot take here? Steals hmm. John's face to kill Danny. <laughs> that would be. I don't know that Arya is willing to kill John yet. That would be a hell of a hot take, but I, I mean, maybe Tyrion. Maybe she could steal Tyrion's face. I don't know. That would, be, but at this point, it feels like he's going to get just eaten by a dragon in this final episode. Um, yes. Speaking of which, why was he not eaten by a dragon last episode? Didn't make any sense. Once again, just they the writers keeping him alive for some purpose that we don't know about. But, but clearly, I I thought they were going to go there with. Uh, with when they kill Varys, that they just kill him at the same time. You know, I almost thought they might kill Jon Snow at that point too. That's been the other disappointment of the season is that they could have. They've got. There's one episode left. There's the next episode. Why not kill off more characters at this point? Why have them right. survive? You know, unless it unless it comes down to next episode, they kill off more people. But what I will say for all of this complaining that I'm doing right now. <laughs> I've really, I've actually really enjoyed this season. I really enjoyed this episode. I love the the hound fight uh, and the the symbolism of him g- killing his brother and dying, in going fire. into the fire. Oh yeah, um, yeah, that was fantastic. I was unsatisfied with the Cersei death. I would say, did you feel the same way, or were you were you just happy to see? I assume she's dead. You know, it's one of those things where they they would have to be dead, but then. You never know with some shows, they just pop back up. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the show that fucking brought Jon Snow back to life with a a red, hot witch lady that was 490 (laughs) years old. But yeah, I mean, I guess I guess there's two things to to that. The, The first was that I actually I did find the potential, whatever we'll call it, alleged death to be kind of fitting, because even though I didn't think it made sense for Jamie's character arc to switch so rapidly this season, it it ultimately made sense for him to always and still be in love with Cersei and then die with her. Um, so I, I was I was okay with that. Um, why why have him fuck the Brienne though? Why why even go through that at that point? I didn't that that didn't make sense to me. I get where you're coming from of of he's going back to Cersei, but. They just had to throw in one last. He takes her virginity for like no reason whatsoever, and then ditches right. her the next day to go back to Cersei. Yeah, yeah. He makes her a sir. He knights her. He knights her. Then he bangs her, and then he sneaks out in the middle of the night. <laughs> back to his crazy ass sister that that he couldn't get enough fucking of. So, I yeah. But, but I get where you're coming from. He he did need to go back to her. That made sense. Yeah, you know, I I I think they're dead. I don't. I wouldn't see any reason for them to still be alive. Um, the one thing I will say though, and I mean, you know, we can talk about prophecies all the time in this show. But the the one prophecy was that Cersei was going to die in the hands of of her little brother, and people, you know, were speculating that that could be either Jaime or Tyrion, but. If this is how um, they went down, that was kind of just 
something that may not happen in the show, but happened in the books kind of thing. I'm not too sure, really. I thought it was a little bit of a cop out. I thought they, 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 yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying that the prophecy, I, I haven't read the prophecy, so I don't know for sure what the wording is on it, but it, it seems like it was something along those lines of die in the arms of your brother or by the hands of your brother or something like that. And, right. It's like choked by your little brother kind of thing. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't know if you can count this one for that prophecy or if they just said, fuck it, fuck the prophecy. We're just going to do what we want to do. <laughs> <laughs> I think the writers are saying fuck it to a lot of prophecies. I think these writers are, are really saying fuck it. They're giving us the middle finger and, and they, there's so much blowback. What's crazy though, is that the, now there's like a petition getting thousands of signatures saying rewrite the season and all this nonsense it's like come on people give it a fucking break you don't like the show yeah who fucking cares that much yeah some people do twitter twitter cares that (laughs) much um so all right enough enough thrones talk Um, wait can i can i actually ask you uh i got i got a couple of thrones quick questions yeah let's hear it two quick ones first one you know, when we saw that scene, I actually thought it was a great scene, by the way, where they're showing Varys writing those letters. Mm-hmm. And and he burns one, you know, when he hears people coming up to his room. Yeah. Who was he sending those letters to? That is a great question. And I have no idea because I thought I thought that the little girl said he's not eating. Maybe she said she's not eating. Because she was, she was, um, he was having her, was he having her spy on Daenerys, that little girl? Yes. The first scene? Okay. So yes. that's a great question. I don't know. And Yeah, because, I mean, clearly, I think the writers wanted us to think that, you know, he was writing multiple letters and sending them to people, or at least he had written a couple and he was sending them somewhere. And like, who, where else are there to send, who, who else is alive to send letters to? Yeah, I wonder if I mean, there's a possibility that he could be sending it somehow across the the narrow sea to somebody else. But who would who else would care? Yeah, I mean, is Yara is Yara going to be involved? Are we going to see her in the last episode? Is Yara coming across? Are we? I mean, is Dorn getting involved in this at all? <laughs> I don't. I don't think there's anybody left that has any pull that could do anything about this. Um. You know, it wouldn't have made sense to be sending it to King's Landing, really. Or is he just trying to possibly get it out there, get the information out there to the north so that they'll rebel? It's it's possible. Yeah, that's a good that's a good theory. It's possible that it's also just completely meaningless writing once again. It was just (laughs) there for dramatic effect. It feels like they've sent us in a lot of directions just to get the intrigue going but then the payoffs have been unsatisfactory right so that was my first question my second question and this is i don't even remember is benjamin stark still alive last we saw he had gotten john the the horse came out of nowhere came out of nowhere with with 10 million dead people around somehow rides right for like the second time he did that (laughs) gives him the horse for no reason whatsoever <laughs> says there's no time for him to get on the horse, even though there was a lot of time for him to get on the horse. 
and just sends John off. And then a lot of dead people come after him. So the assumption was that he's dead, but they never showed him get killed. So there's another possibility. Why? Right. And and like this guy disappeared in like the first episode ever. And then the only other two times we saw him, he just came out of fucking nowhere to save people. They do a lot of that on this show. A lot of, of send the person away for a while. And then when they they're least expected, they pop up. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a little bit of a trick, but yeah, I don't, I don't anticipate seeing him in the final episode. Yeah, I, I don't either. I, I had to ask because I know you're more of a pro than I am, whether he was still alive. But um, one more question for you here. So, I mean, since we are going into the last episode, I think you got to make a you got to give me a prediction here. Who's your prediction? You know, it might not have to be someone sitting on the throne, but who's your who's your winner? And then do you have any sleepers? Great question. So the the consensus, it feels like feels like people are going heavy on Sansa being being the natural you know they if there's a lot of uh themes of women empowerment in the show but Daenerys the it seems very unlikely that Daenerys or Jon Snow end up in, in on the throne when all is said and done just the way that this is headed so then naturally Sansa's sitting up there in the north and can take power if, say, both of them die. Um, sleeper, I would say, and maybe my prediction, is is that none of them <laughs> end up in power. And that they all yeah. and that they all kill each other. Uh, and we end up with somebody totally random coming into the fold. Um but it's definitely, it's a tough call. I mean, the Sansa prediction seems like the most likely case that they do the whole Daenerys kills Jon Snow and then gets stabbed in the back in some way and, and dies herself. Um, and then who else really could step in at that point? And Tyrion doesn't seem like a likely candidate to be able to take power here. Um, nobody else. We do still power. have Gendry. Gendry, he, he, that's a good sleeper call out. He could come up big here. They just they've they've thrown so much into the the mix that now it just feels like they've been they basically I think wrote this backwards. I think they picked out whoever they they wanted before the season started and have just been writing backwards to get that person into power. Right. But yeah, Gendry definitely definitely has a good claim to the throne if say John and Daenerys die and and is still alive. So that's a good sleeper. Didn't think about him. I don't yeah, know who else would be there. He's still lingering. I, I have one other potential sleeper that I've kind of I, I had this person identified at the beginning of the season and no no one's talking about this person. Okay. So th- this kind of falls into your theory of, of everyone dying kind of thing. Okay. And it's also premised on the idea that this whole show has kind of been about history and the retelling of history. And, and my sleeper pick is everyone fucking dies and then not necessarily sits on the throne, 
but somehow power or the fate of the world lays in the hands of fucking Samwell Tarly. <laughs> oh, Sam. I, and, I don't and for, know. For some reason, like, I, it'll, I, I think if that were the case, which is extremely rare, you know, this is a sleeper pick, obviously. I think it would be some scenario where, like, it's up to him to retell the story of history for some bullshit reason. Would people be satisfied if Sam becomes a main character at the end here for reason? I can't, I can't tell. They might like yeah. it. Yeah, you know, it might like be it. like, you know, that, oh, that Sam, he's doing it again. <laughs> you know, or it's just like, a, oh, you guys put fucking Sam in charge <laughs> of this whole thing. I don't know. That's, that's a good sleeper. He's just too lovable, just like just like Sam in Lord of the Rings, a very lovable character. <laughs> the others, uh, I do have. There's one possible sleeper, although I think if you if you think about things, she should have died in the last one. Um, but the the um, wife of the king of the old king of Dorne, you know how she got locked up in the Red Keep, like the right. dungeons. Yeah. And she was just going to sit there and watch her daughter die. And so I could theoretically see a scenario in which they say she somehow survives that and they free her. I don't know how it would make sense because that whole thing collapsed. So she should be dead. But I could see some <laughs> weird scenario where she comes back into the fold for this, these, these final episodes. And I think um, could play a role. So we'll see. Yeah. That- that's good recall. I completely forgot about her. So, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's do a quick uh, two hitter. I want to talk about two things that cool. you have far more expertise on than I do. <laughs> um, let's start with uh, the Padres. How are you feeling about yes. their season so far? Yeah, um, you know it's been it's been an exciting season so far. This this is the first time in quite a while that we legitimately have had what I will call a good baseball team. Um, You know, about four years ago when we first had AJ Preller, he made all those splashy signings. They turned out to be just that they were splashy. They weren't effective baseball signings. Um, And to his credit, Preller realized that really quickly he shipped a bunch of these players out and he made some ridiculous trades among those trades the Padres are now paying dividends for one of them, James Shields for Fernando Tatis Jr. At the time, Tatis Jr. was, you know, a 17 year old prospect playing rookie ball. He wasn't very heralded, but he turned into, depending on who you're asking, the first or second best prospect in the game. And then the second one is the Padres traded Fernando Rodney for Chris Paddock, who Mm. right now is, uh, probably as far as stats are concerned, one of the five best pitchers in the league. So, I mean, the Padres right now, Tatis has been out for the last two weeks. Yeah, such a um, bummer. Right after we saw him belt that homer, that game yeah. we went to. Yeah, and he, a you know, freak injury. He, he's been playing really well. Um, so it, it, it hurt to hurt to lose him. But the fact is, you know, neither him nor Chris Paddock were really expected to make the team this year. And the Padres kind of went out on a limb. They brought both of these guys up, not worrying at all about service time, which most every other team in the league would worry about yeah. for arbitration purposes. 
and these guys are both producing. And, and now you're seeing a young Padres team. They're having fun out there. They're playing good baseball. Um, and they're going to be there at the end of the year. I, I, you know, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year, but they have a shot. And um, right now it's looking like, you know, this is at least a 500 team. I think they're going to end up around 80, 82 wins this season. Um, and if that's the case, you know, they're going to be right there in a couple months at the trade deadline, um, probably looking to make some moves. So the trajectory of this team, you know, if you haven't jumped back on the bandwagon, now's the time because the, the fucking Padres are back, baby. Oh, I'm in. I got my brown jersey going and everything. I'm, I'm all in. Uh, do you think their plan will work? Or do you think we're headed for a fire sale in two years? Sounds like I you're bullish. This... <laughs> I, th- I think we're here for the long run for this team. It's, it's kind of crazy if you look at the Padres minor league system right now. They have about 10 pitching prospects who I believe in the next two years um, will all be solid major league baseball starters. One of them, particularly Mackenzie Gore, is an absolute stud. Um, he might be the best pitching prospect in all of minor league baseball right now. And it's, it's hard to make this comparison, but he looks very Clayton Kershaw-esque right now. Um, mm, and if you have him, bold. It's, it's, a, it's a bold call, but this guy is unreal. And you put him and Chris Paddock on the same roster, um, and then you have about 20 other prospects who are all looking to be very good. This Padres minor league system is deep. It's talented. Um, when this team is ready in about a year from now, they're going to package some of these minor leaguers because they have a lot of them, and they're going to pick up some good players. And this is going to be a loaded, loaded team. Definitely. Well, I look forward to it. It's been 20 years now. What 20? I think we're coming up on the uh, the 21st anniversary of the the Padres going to the World Series, and they. Haven't shown much since, so it's been a long, <laughs> long 21 years. Um, yeah, well, 21 yeah. years since the World Series, and, and we haven't made the playoffs in 10 years, so I, yeah. I think we're due. We're Ooh. due. I think if anybody's due, it's San Diego. Um, <laughs> so so the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was I, I know there have been some exciting uh, soccer series going on, um, so I want to uh, introduce a segment called Soccer for people who don't know much about soccer. So <laughs> can you can you walk us through uh, some of what happened? I think uh, Tottenham was the, uh, the big winner last week. Yeah. So, I mean, actually, qu- quite a few things happened last week. Um, first off, you know, the, the English Premier League ended with a phenomenal last week. Um, the the two teams going into the final week with a chance of winning the title were Liverpool and Manchester city. Um, Liverpool needed Manchester city to drop some points um, for a chance at the title, but they didn't. And Manchester city won the title. Um, Both teams actually had incredible seasons and in any other season, Liverpool probably would have won the title, but, but they fell short. Um, The other thing was the champions league, which I'm sure most people saw highlights of, um, for those who don't know, the Champions League is a competition taking the best teams from Europe and all the best European leagues and, and pitting them together in a, in a league. The tournament kind of goes over the course of the season, so it's basically a six, seven-month tournament with games played every couple of weeks. And um, the semifinals just occurred 
And it, the matchups were Liverpool, Barcelona, and Spurs versus Ajax. And uh, in both of these matches, um, the and uh, a little point to make is that, you know, these games in the Champions League are played over two legs. So each team gets a home game, and the tiebreaker is away goals scored. And in both of these matchups, Spurs, who advanced to the championship, the final, um, were both facing significant margins after the first leg. And they both came back with uh, pretty dramatic finishes. Liverpool came back to beat Barcelona. Um, I believe it was four to three on aggregate. And Spurs came back from a three nil down on aggregate and scored three second half goals and advanced to the finals on away goals. So if you're looking for drama, the Champions League had it. And um, as a Spurs fan myself, I, I couldn't be happier. That's just kind of the biggest Biggest moment in Spurs history in quite some time. Wow. wow that's big, big stuff in the soccer world. I, uh, I was in Costa Rica all week. And uh, fun fact, ESPN Deportes plays nothing but soccer at all times. <laughs> <laughs> that so, is probably the least surprising fact of the day. Yeah, it was a lot of soccer, although they did mix in a small amount of playoff basketball here and there. I did see... Uh, a couple of the games so that was nice um the uh the pool bartender was not thrilled to have to change it to basketball from from soccer but did say that he's become a warriors fan as the american guests uh forced <laughs> him to watch basketball frequently so uh <laughs> there's that um so well thank you for for the update uh the soccer update and uh look forward to having you back soon um yeah this was great thanks for joining me yeah thanks for having me man let's do it again soon and uh come on you padres and come on you spurs good shit all right have a good night buddy all right my man you too that's all we got bitches see you next time